Hey, this is Rich. This is Cass. This is Jacob. This is Luke. Yes, Salut, c'est Jonathan Mercier. Welcome to the Hillsong Creative Micropod. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. It's so good that you've joined us. Uh, shout out to Hillsong Creative, anybody who's listening, because uh, this is team night on demand for for our team. And for you, those of you who aren't part of our physical creative team, you are now uh, in the form of team night on demand. See, we've been doing team nights, uh, which is our the gathering of our, our creative teams in Australia. We've been doing that on a Thursday night online. And uh, now we're able to bring that to you on the podcast and on YouTube as well, uh, if you want to check it out over there. But um, last Thursday night, I spoke to our team and I asked the question, are you thirsty? And so we wanted to bring you that message this morning for anybody who wasn't able to be a part of our team nights online. And uh, and really, I hope that it, and, and I pray that in today's message, you'll hear from You'll hear from the Word of God, you'll hear from the Holy Spirit, and that you might even be able to quench some of your thirst. In it, I reference a few songs. Uh, we split the message up with songs. Um, we're not able to bring you those to the podcast, but we have set up uh, you know, links to those in the show notes. So I'd encourage you to have a listen to those and be encouraged by those songs as well. This is all part of uh, a series that we're doing called Redig the Ancient Wells. And so last week, if you uh, missed it, it was a message from Cass, my, my wife, who um, spoke about redigging ancient wells. She really set off the set off the series and uh, was a great encouragement to me and I know to our team. And if you, as I say, if you missed it, you want to maybe go check that out because this today's episode is like a part two to that. And uh, it's all about, as I said, uh, the question of, are you thirsty? And today, I believe that if you're thirsty, um, maybe, just maybe, this message will be will be helpful for you. So we'll jump into it, and I hope it's a blessing, and I'll talk to you soon. Wow. I felt like tonight it'd be so good just to, to kind of chat. Um, where do you find yourself tonight? Where are you... Where are you... Um, where are you doing team night? Put that in the chat. Thank you for the reference, Matt, about the beard. Yes, Cass hates it, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm embracing it. It's happening. I, I asked the question, where, are you, where do you find yourself tonight? And in the chat, some of you have said Melbourne and Brisbane and, and Hobart and all that. But the truth is, the question is, it's, I guess it was a bit of a trick question. And if you know me, that, that it's probably normal that um, I would ask you a funny question or a trick question. But... Um, but I think there's this double meaning to the question, where do you find yourself? You know, there's, there's levels to that. Obviously, I'm physically in this chair right here uh, in the epicenter. And uh, you guys are somewhere, you know. Um, Cass is, I see in the chat, sitting with JD. Yeah, physically, she's in the room here and you guys are somewhere. But on a deeper level, you know, below the surface, I wonder where you find yourself tonight. Um, last week, Cass spoke a pretty amazing message about redigging ancient wells, you know, getting be- below the surface. And um, I, know, I know if you missed that, um, it was epic, a great message, and I, it keeps resonating in my mind. But um, you can catch up on YouTube or on the podcast or whatever. But, but 
Um, at the end of the message, she referenced Jesus meeting uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's from John 4. And Jesus, um, he was someone who asked these trick questions as well. You know, he, he meets this woman for a, and, he, and he asks her for a drink of water. And she's so surprised because she's a Samaritan. She's a woman and she's, uh, she's there at midday. And they're, they're all things that, that Jesus shouldn't have, you know, he shouldn't have crossed those boundaries, but he did. Um, and he asked her this question, and, and, and it wasn't normal for him to do that. He wasn't doing it the normal way. And really, in the end, it was one of those reasons that, that he, he got killed, why they crucified him, why people hated him. But the woman, she's there, you know, Jesus is crossing these boundaries. And, and you know the story, but, but he says to um, he asks her for a drink of water, and she says, why are you asking me for a drink of water? And then Jesus says to her in John 4.10, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. I mean, just think about that for a minute. He's asked her for a drink of water. She's confused. And then He, like he says crazy things. She's even more confused. And and. Because Jesus has asked her this trick, trick question, you know, he's asked her a deep question, a, a, a question below the surface. And she answers it, you know, from the physical sense, from, the, from, her, from her mind. She, she wonders where, is, where he's going to go to get the living water that he talks about. Because in the ancient world, living water is water that, that fell from the sky or it was water from a, a river and it was usually used in ceremonies and for cleansing and, and, and to bring life. Man, I don't know about you, but um, maybe you have a glass of water at home. You could go run and get one if you can still hear me. Don't disconnect. <laughs> I'm just going to have a, a little drink. Oh yeah, how good is water? It's good, I'm about to spill my water. <laughs> but the, Jesus goes on to say, in, you know, in John 4, 13 and 14, He goes, anyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. They need to have another sip. Mm. <laughs> but anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst again. Not ever. The water I give will be like an artisan spring. It'll be gushing up with fountains of endless life. Think about that for a minute. Gushing up water that's gushing up and fountains of living water. See, I was reading the passage and I realised that I feel like maybe that woman, she was, maybe she's a bit like us or maybe we're like her, I don't know. But but I think maybe she's she was living just at the surface level. She was thinking about where she physically was. I'm at a well and, I, and so I need water, physical water from the physical well. She wasn't thinking that Jesus was talking about anything spiritual. And she thought she needed water. That's why she went there. And she thought Jesus needed this same water. That's why he's asking her for a drink. But Jesus tells her that what she actually needed was artisan spring to gush fountains of endless life from within her. A few chapters later, um, you know, Jesus has he's, he's really caused a stir because 
People are starting to hear about how he's kind of claiming to be God and how he's not doing things the normal way. And so in John 7, we see that Jesus is now at the Festival of Tabernacles, which probably doesn't mean a lot to you. To you know, to you, or and it didn't mean a lot to me. I had to Google, you know, what's the festival of tabernacles. But it turns out that you can find it referenced in Leviticus 23 and in Nehemiah 8. Um, let me tell you a little bit about it. So the festival of tabernacles was a feast. It's this massive celebration that lasted seven days, and so every year. The people of God would gather together and they'd stay in tents to remind them of when they were in tents back in the day. And they would celebrate for seven full days, like a party that lasted seven days. And, and, and it was a reminder that God had saved them from Egypt. He'd brought them out of captivity and He provided for them when they were at their worst in the desert, when they were parched and dry. And it was this picture of kind of hope that maybe one day the Messiah would come again and He would maybe tabernacle with them. He would live with them. So then Jesus finds Himself at this festival. They don't know this, but He's going to fulfil what they've been looking for. And so it's the last day of the festival. And it's kind of when the when it had reached its climax. But, but in this festival, um, what would happen is at the right time, the, the, the priest in the temple, he would get a pitcher of water um, from, the, from the pool of Siloam and he would pour it out on an altar inside the temple. And the pouring out of the water, it, it kind of expressed the hope that they had that, that maybe one day rain would fall and it would produce an abundant crop for them. It was, it was this physical thing that they were, they were enacting. They were, they'd pour out the water and it was like an offering to God to go, God, supply for us, meet our needs again. But there was actually a whole bunch more going on. See, at that time, they were under Roman rule. The world was going nuts. They had so many gods and so many weird practices that people were doing, sacrificing themselves and sacrificing other people and, 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 and just treating people horridly. The Romans didn't care for life itself. And so the people at this time, they're spiritually dry. They're spiritually dry and, and so they're at this festival. Jesus is there and it's the height of celebration. When, and when it had reached its climax, you know, after seven days of celebration and the water's just about to be poured out and Jesus, right at the right time, right as it's about to be happening, He stands up and He draws attention to Himself and He says in, in a loud voice, the Scriptures say, He says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to Me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus says to them, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. He's offering them this deeper, kind of richer, more abundant kind of life. They're looking at the physical and He's offering them something better. And it's a, it's a life that isn't limited by, by physical needs or, or where we find ourselves. 
whether that be socially or politically or economically, whether that be the colour of your skin, Jesus is coming saying there's a whole nother way. And it's in the very next verse that the writer, John, um, he, he kind of puts in this footnote so that we know what Jesus was talking about, so that it's super clear. No one can miss it. It says this in the very next verse. By this, He meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were later to receive. See, because up until that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. How crazy is that? You know, we know what ends up happening. Obviously, Jesus is crucified and He and he rises again and, and the disciples, the believers are all, they, they go to an upper room and they wait for the Holy Spirit because it's been promised. So in Acts 2, we see there's about 120 believers all gathered together. And, you know, we think it's in the upper room. We don't really know, but they're in the one place. But it's like as if they've been locked away, almost like in isolation, you could say, waiting for the Holy Spirit. And these, these believers, they're there and they're thirsty. And then suddenly, like suddenly, with no notice almost, the Holy Spirit, He comes into the room. Like tongues of fire is the best way they can describe what happened to them. And they're filled with the Spirit and this life-changing, world-shaking experience happens to them. You know, you know it well as I do. We reference Acts 2 all the time, but it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I don't know if if, if you took that in, but it says, They were filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the writer of Acts is referencing this this water kind of metaphor. The Holy Spirit is pouring into them and filling them like water. And the water that filled them, it was satisfying water. It was was this water that quenched their thirst and it it cleansed them and it made them into, into new people. It changed them kind of from the inside out and it changed them forever. Later in Acts 4, 31, it says that those same believers, they're filled again with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, they preached the Word of God boldly. And we know again that some of them were timid, they were afraid, they were confused by the circumstances of Jesus' death, that they were being persecuted in Rome and and so... So this was massive that they would preach the Word of God boldly. But for us, you know, we we also know that in Ephesians 5, it tells us to be continually filled with the Spirit. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And obviously in the Greek, not that I speak Greek, but in the Greek, it means to, to be filled repetitively, to be continually filled, to not just be filled once, but over and over. See, the Spirit of God, I think, is obviously the source of this living water that sacrifices, that, that satisfies us. Um, and all of this is kind of great and, and wonderful, but, but here, here tonight, team, where you find yourself in your homes, you might be with your, 
with your family, you might be by yourself, you might be with other college students, you might be with guests in your home. I don't know where you are physically, but but spiritually. I want to ask you tonight, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? It's It's been a big year. There's a lot going on. As I think, you know, I've been thirsty this year. And um, <laughs> I think the only way to be filled is by the Spirit. But I want to, I, I want to challenge us to do something physically. You know, you know, like physically, I'm in the chair. But but if I get out of myself, if I if I if I think about the fact that this is a deep thing, this is about digging a well into the Spirit of God. Then maybe. Maybe we need to physically get out of our chair and come before the Lord and actually ask Him to fill us again. Because it's the only way we can be truly filled. Yeah, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank You that You're filling us again. That, Lord, You are the one who quenches our thirst that your spirit, Lord God, is moving all over our team, even now. That you are good, you are good, you are good, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Hey, don't you think that, um, don't you think it's interesting how, how we can be believers and, um, <laughs> and yet still get thirsty? Um, we've got this deep well within us, and yet we can still thirst for stuff. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, but I get thirsty and I need filling. And, and I guess I wonder if, if, if the fact that we believe and yet we still thirst is because we don't We don't stop and kind of disconnect from the physical where we find ourselves and all the stuff that's going on in our in our in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives. We don't disconnect and from the surfacey stuff and and let God fill our thirst with Him again. I've been guilty of that this year of getting caught up in all of the issues of the year and, and letting that fill me instead of allowing God to fill me, of disconnecting from that and, and really drawing, drinking deeply of Him. So in this, um, this last couple of weeks, I've been reading um, uh, quite a lot about church history. Um, I've dived into the first three centuries of Christianity and, um, and I, I would encourage you to go do that because it's mind-blowing. Um, but I've, I've kind of been wondering what, what was different about them compared to us, you know, what, what did they do that was different to them? And, and to be honest, it's changing my life, what I've discovered. I want to share with you because, see, the early believers, they were so countercultural. They were so, um, you know, otherworldly that people called them unconnected people. They were unconnected, not from each other or from caring for people, but, but actually the opposite. 
um, the Roman Empire, where they, where they found themselves physically, was all about rising to the top. It was all about looking good and looking after yourself and thinking less of, of others and more of yourself. And it was, it was all about not associating with people who weren't like you. Sounds a lot like where we find ourselves. But they were, they were different, those early Christians, because they tipped it on its head. Because they realised that thirst, this thirst-quenching life, the abundant life that we all want, it wasn't found in those things that, that society said you needed. It was found in Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so they were disconnected from the things of this world, but they were well, but it was well with their soul. They were disconnected, but it was still well with their soul, a different kind of well. <laughs> and they were so countercultural as a people that the people didn't know what to do with them. And so therefore they persecuted them and they ridiculed them and they mocked them. But even though there was this massive persecution that was against the Christians because they were so different, even though that was happening and it was like a, a downward step to become a Christian, it wasn't good for your status. You didn't gain kind of followers by doing that. Um, but even though that was the case, people started discovering that in Jesus was real life. This deep thirst that people had was being quenched. And so the church grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And, and like, man, histori historians will tell you that the church grew from those 120 people in the upper room to, to maybe more than 30 million people before the, before the three, three centuries were over. Like it's just crazy exponential growth. And so it got to the point where Christianity became so influential that it became the Roman, like the official religion of, of Rome. Like they gave up their other gods and took on the Christian's God. And it was those, it was like because those early believers were, were unconnected, their unconnected kind of way of life, it became so influential that it, it literally changed the course of history. Um, I was reading this one non-Christian historian and he puts it this way. He goes, um, uh, the ancient, I'll, I'll read it, they've got it for me. The ancient triumph of Christianity proved to be the single greatest cultural transformation that our world has ever seen. Without it, the entire history of late antiquity would not have ever happened. Um, we would never have had the Middle Ages, the Reformation, the Renaissance or, or modernity as we know it. This is crazy. Um, there would never have been poets like Matthew Arnold, Arn Arnold or any of the Victorian poets. And we wouldn't have had authors such as like Milton or Shakespeare or Chaucer. And we would have had none of of the amazing artists that we all reference, Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci or Rembrandt, none of the brilliant composers, Mozart or Handel or Bach. See, because of the way these early Christians lived, it changed everything. And, and we talk about, you know, our creativity wanting to change the world and, and, and you know, revival and, and we want revival. But I believe that it's found in this disconnected life that they lived. Um, when we disconnect from the things of the world and we start, we start to allow our soul to become like wells filled with the Spirit. 
and, and out of that well, you know, this living water flowing to the world around us. But I guess the final question for tonight, real quick, is how do we do that? How do we do that? Because we all, you know, in, in the chat, I saw so many of you said that you're thirsty and, and we get thirsty. Well, I think it's this. I think that we start like they did. We start by constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. We do what we just did. We get on our knees before God and we ask Him to fill us again. And we don't make excuses for ourselves about how we're so busy and we're so much on and wow, the world is crazy and I'm, I'm in COVID season and all this stuff. We put that to one side and we get before God. And then from that place, we choose gratitude because, because God is love and, and He's like He's forgiven us and He's cleansed us and He's made a way for us. And He's, and he's offered this better way of life. You know, the, the early Christians, they, um, they, they took Jesus at His word. And, um, and I love that. Um, I think if we were to do that, we would be grateful no matter what. Let me finish with this. In Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, we all know it. But I hope through this lens tonight, you're about to see it afresh. Jesus is is speaking to the people who'd come up to the mountain to hear him talk. And, um, and he says in verse 3 of chapter 5, Matthew, he says, You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more, for, more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. And you're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more and no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God, His food and His drink in the best meal that you'll ever eat. And you're blessed when you care at, the, at that moment, you're being care, sorry, at that moment of being careful, you find yourself being cared for. And you're blessed when you, get your, get, when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart right. Then you can see God in the outside world. And you're blessed when you can, sh- can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. And that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. How good is this? You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom and finishes up like this. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you or discredit um, about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and you happen and you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, it says. For though they don't like it, I do. Jesus does. And all heaven applause. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into that kind of trouble. I don't know about you, but I don't like to get into trouble. But when Jesus puts it like that, it sounds, sounds like it's worth it maybe. And so team, I'm wrapping up, but... 
Um, I believe that tonight God is actually moving. I believe that the, the, the message cast started last week and that we're continuing tonight is, is revolutionary for us as a team. I think He's drawing closer to us and I think He's wanting us to draw closer to Him. And I believe that He's inviting us to go beyond the physical, beyond the stuff of this year, in you know, the surfacey stuff and, and, and the stuff of this world. He wants us to disconnect and go deeper and drink of Him and and. And maybe out of that, it'll be well with our souls. We won't thirst like we've thirst. And so I encourage you maybe in the, in the last few minutes to put into practice some of what I've just talked about. And maybe this week as we, you know, as you take a glass of water, I don't know about you, but each morning I usually drink a glass of water. I want to encourage you to, to actually pause and realise that you're going to thirst again when you drink this water. But when we drink of the Holy Spirit, it, it quenches our thirst and we can be different from the inside out. Let's sing, hey? God, may you find us tonight being a people full of hallelujahs. A lot of people with wells inside of us that are stirred because we've disconnected from the world and it is well with our soul. God, I pray that you would continue to partner with us as we dig new wells, as we dig fresh places in you. Lord, I thank you that you are drawing us near. And God, I pray that this might be like Operation Acts 2.0. That God, we might become a radical people who are so impacted by the Gospel that you turn our worlds upside down. We become beatitude people, God. That the countercultural nature of what you came to do would be alive and well within this creative team. God, fill our mouths with praise this week. May you find us full of gratitude because we love you and we want to bring you our very best. Love you a lot. Amen.